Red Rocks, how we doing? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, I feel you in this space today. God, I know that you're everywhere, but please know how wanted you are in our church, how invited you are in this building and in the hearts, in the breath of every person listening to this prayer right now. We pray in Jesus' name that we would see revival sweep across our nation, that people by the thousands, the millions would come to know your son here in the next decade, that people who are running from religion, running from, from something, would actually experience what their heavenly father really thinks about them. And maybe use this church for prodigals in Austin, people who feel far from you. Show them how wrong they are about that concept, that you are closer than we could ever imagine, that they could ever know that your mercies, your grace is new every single morning, God. Today we join, we celebrate, and we gather in remembrance of that. The glory is yours. We exist to make your name famous, the beautiful, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ, and it's in that name that we pray. Somebody say amen. Hey, let's lift up a shout of praise. If you love Jesus, if you're happy to be alive, come on, like you've got some caffeine in your bloodstream right now. Hey, you guys look good. You may take a seat. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. If you feel like hearing this message as much as I feel like preaching this message, then this is going to be a good day of church. Happy Father's Day. Happy day before the summer solstice. That's cool. This is the second longest day of the year. Fun fact. Enjoy it, okay? And on top of that, it's also week four of this series that we've called We Are, this collection of talks where we've been filling in the blank. We are. And the reason we're doing this is because identity leads to the right actions. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. It's true on an individual scale and corporate as well. And so today, the title of this talk is We Are a Generous Generation. Josh, do we have that? Is that, uh, well, you guys can just uh, take my word for it. We are a generous generation. There it is. See, I'm not lying in the Lord's house for crying out loud. So let's pray one more time that God would speak to us. God, speak to us. Amen. Doesn't have to be crazy long prayer to be spiritual or count. Don't worry. It is good. Thank you. So I have, I have a, a crazy, fantastical, weird memory, okay? It's a blessing and a curse. Um, I can quote movies better than anybody that I know and that you know. Does that sound braggy? Maybe it does. It's my birthday. Give it to me, okay? I prefer to use confidence. I'm confident, and I really meant what I just said, okay? I lose my keys about once a week, but I can watch a movie once and then quote half of it back to you, so that's helpful in the real world, right? Um, I, you know the people who say they're good, at, uh, they're good movie quoters? I correct those people, on their wrong inflections, okay? My wife hates this, by the way, because we'll be watching The Notebook Classic, and I will be mumbling under my breath every line about a half second before Ryan Gosling says it. Once again, a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing for me, it's a curse for my wife. Am I right? That's a dad joke, happy Father's Day. But there are a few movies, this is not a joke, not an exaggeration, I can quote to you from start to finish. I can do the whole thing from start to finish. So let's see. Uh, remember the Titans from start to finish. Um, Top Gun. I actually got my first ministry job because I quoted flawlessly, by the way, a whole scene from Top Gun in my interview. And the boss, my future boss, that was his favorite movie. And he just liked me. So I got the job. And that's why I'm a pastor today. Um, let's see. Apollo 13, the whole movie. Um, most scenes from all four Avengers movies, most scenes from every Harry Potter movie. If it bothers you that I just mentioned Harry Potter in church, you can email Ethan at redrockschurch.com <laughs> and you can say anything you want to him. Um, obviously, D2, The Mighty Ducks, 
and then clear, and then most scenes from The Office, and then of course, The Lion King. I can do that better than any, in my opinion, one of the, if not the greatest movie ever made. And if you disagree, just have fun being wrong about your opinion, okay? One of the greatest movies ever made, even to this day. I'm 33 today, and the older I get, the more I actually have to fast forward through the stampede scene, okay, with the, you know what I'm talking, like, I, I, I know it's just drawings of lions, okay? It's just a cartoon. It's not even real, but it gets me. I cry every time Mufasa dies and then Simba runs away. He meets Timon and Pumbaa and he sings Akuna Matata for a few years until that legendary scene where Mufasa speaks to him in the clouds. You know what I'm talking about? And Mufasa says, Simba. I wish I had this voice so bad. And the difference between Simba's voice and his dad's voice is just comical. Simba, father? Simba, you have forgotten me. Notice the inflections are just on point. No, how could I? You have forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. He says this, look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. And then Simba says, how can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. And then the music intensifies and Mufasa says, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. And then he sort of fades back into the weather, the storms, I don't know. <laughs> remember, remember, remember. <laughs> and then Simba remembers. And I would too if I had a 500 foot fiery lion speaking to me from the clouds. Why can't God talk to all of us like that, right? Actually, don't wish that. I'd probably pee my pants if that happened to me. But Simba remembers. He remembers who he is. I'm the one true king. And because he remembers who he is, he knows what to go and do. So he goes back to Pride Rock. He defeats Scar, and it's a happy end. If I just ruin the ending of Lion King for you, that's on you, that's not on me. It came out in 1994. I pray to God you've seen The Lion King. If you haven't, go ahead and leave right now and go watch it. You have my permission as a pastor. Please, leave church and go watch Lion King. It will be better for your soul even than this sermon, okay? When you know who you are, you will know what to do. I remember even as an eight-year-old watching that, and that line resonated with me. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. When you know who you are, then one day when you, when you witness and you see injustice or one day when you're afraid or you're terrified or you're in a new city or you're trying to make a decision, do I go left or right, this or that? Well, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do because the right identity leads to the right actions. And this is true on a corporate scale as well. So this series is an identity series for our church. This is who we are. Today, we are talking about this. We are a generous generation. So let me define that for you because this is a vision and a dream that we have. I define generous generation like this. An era of Christians who changed the world through their generosity, an era of Christians who change the world through their generosity. And I'm so excited because today I'm talking about money in church and it has nothing to do with keeping the lights on at our church. I'm so excited for this because nobody's taken up an offering. We're not doing a new building campaign, which means we can just... I mean, we can get real. Today, we're talking about something so much bigger than Red Rocks. We're talking about what if we saw a generous generation, an era of Christians who truly changed the world through their generosity. Can I remind you of John three sixteen? the scripture Tim Tebow wrote, okay? This is, for God so loved the world. You know this already. For God so loved the world that he what? 
He gave. That's God's love language, in my opinion. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That when God saw that humanity was in trouble, that humanity was separated from him by this giant chasm called sin, when God saw evil, when God saw pain and suffering and tears and mourning and injustice and lack and disparity, your heavenly father's reaction was generosity. God had a not on my watch kind of mentality. And he responded by making the ultimate sacrifice, paying the ultimate price God gave. Okay, so here's, here's where I'm going. Here's what I want to see. What if we saw a generation of Christians who looked at the same world full of so many people who still don't know Jesus yet, that looked at a great commission waiting to be completed, that saw disparity and injustice and lack and hunger and poverty and mourning and pain and suffering, and what if we had the same not-on-our-watch kind of mentality as our heavenly father, and what if the world knew about it, not by our rightness or, our, or by our opinions, and not by our fancy buildings or by our cool events, but rather by our sacrifice and our generosity, for the church so loved the world that the church gave, right? I'm so excited, because once again, no offering, kind of the rules are off and we can just get real, and so I say this with so much love and respect, but if there's something deep down in you that's just kind of mad or frustrated, the church is talking about money, this might not be the church for you. We don't talk about money a lot, to be honest, not nearly as much as we should if Jesus is our model. The Bible mentions prayer 500 times. The Bible mentions money 2,000 times. Not because it's bad to have it. It's actually great, but because it has you so easily. This is the human heart condition. I know that because I have one, and Jesus knows that too. And you can't love God and love abundant life when money has you. It's Matthew 6, 21, for where your heart is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart and he knows if I get their treasure, I get them. And this is the human condition. It is just so easy. Like, so if you come to a church and every time money's brought up, something in you just boils, it might be because money has you. And maybe sitting in a little bit of that discomfort could be exactly what your soul needs to get shaken free. I believe that's gonna happen today because I'm gonna show you this is so much bigger than red rocks. And I believe there's gonna be religion rehab healing in this room. If you have any church hurt in regards to finances, that's gonna be healed today in the name of Jesus. I really, really believe that. So please understand what I'm talking about is an invitation, not an instruction. You do not have to live this way. And if any pastor in your life ever tells you otherwise, that this is a command or that you must give to belong here or that you have to give this much for God to love you, do yourself a favor and run about 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction because Jesus in the New Testament never commands this. However, Jesus does invite you and me into a life of generosity. And in my opinion, that is a higher level of love living and a higher calling than, hey, just write a check because you should. Today, I'm going to call you to that level because I have a vision and a dream of seeing a generation of Christians who change the world through their generosity. And I want you to find out firsthand that generosity feels a lot like freedom, that this is about purpose for you and funding for the kingdom of God. Not my opinion, every secular study, secular study ever done on giving or generosity shows that people who live with generosity just tend to live longer and healthier and happier lives with less anxiety, less depression, more purpose. I mean, what is, what is generosity if not a constant exercise of, like, of trusting God with your future? 
The God who's already in your future holding your future. This is not an instruction. It is an invitation that, by the way, should get all of us as Christians constantly saying, can you believe that we get to live this way? Can you believe I get to do this? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Are you kidding me? That means the earth is the Lord's and all the money everywhere. Can you believe I get to be a steward of some of it? Can you believe, church, that we get to live generously generosity is our privilege and to prove that to you let's just let's make it bigger right away just right away to show you i'm serious when i say it's not it never has been it never will be about red rocks church right here here's four local churches that you can give to if you don't want to give to this place all i'm challenging you to do is just is just give okay don't let the location keep you from being a generous person because the world needs you to be a generous person so austin reconciliation church this is right down the street. Pastor Abraham, one of the strongest men of God I've ever met. He's one of the OG Austin pastors, and this church does a food bank every Wednesday. They care deeply about the surrounding neighborhoods, specifically the Spanish-speaking community, okay? Antioch Austin is, uh, is led by my sort of big brother, uh, fellow pastor in Austin, J.D. Griffin. This church is legit, the real deal. So is Capital City Church. That was planted last year by my little, better looking church planting brother, Blaze. And I promise you, this church would love, they would be thrilled to get your June tithe check this month. My goodness, we were in their shoes just a couple years ago. I promise you, that is your financial seed going into very, very fertile soil. And then, of course, the Austin Stone, in my opinion, maybe the most strategic church in the history of this city. If you don't trust this church, if you wanna give somewhere else, here's a few options. It has never been, nor will it ever be, about just Red Rocks Church. You guys, God's got this. He has done nothing but prove that time in and time again for two and a half years, even through a pandemic. This is about purpose and freedom for you and funding for the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay, let me say this. While some churches have been very bad stewards of money, most have not. Okay? While some pastors have completely dropped the ball most are the real deal, not perfect, but trying and working so hard to build the church. Look right at me. Faithfulness doesn't make the news. I'm trying to build your optimism and faith in the local church because there's so much church baggage in this room. Please know the local church is still God's plan A for reaching the world, and he doesn't have a plan B, you guys. This is the bride of Christ. This is his plan. So with all that said, generous generation, let me ask you this question. What would happen if every American Christian was generous? What would happen? This is our dream. Let me say it this way, because you don't have to be rich to be generous. You just have to be generous to be generous with what you have. So what would happen if every American Christian gave 10% of their income, okay? There's a few sources, I found this, this speci these specific numbers, Relevant Magazine, um, the numbers don't matter as much as the point, the point is the same. If every American Christian gave 10% of their income, the church would leverage an extra $160 billion a year, extra, okay? So just to, to hammer this home a little bit, $25 billion in five years would end starvation and world hunger. $12 billion over the course of five years would end illiteracy. $15 billion would solve the dirty water problems in all of our third world countries. Another $15 billion would house and provide counseling for every homeless person in our nation. 
$1.8 billion would put a church in every prison in the United States. $5.6 billion would pay all the, the crazy amounts of money it takes to adopt and for foster care. And $11 billion for five years in a row would end slavery as we know it. And by the way, there would be billions and billions still left over to plant more churches and reach more people and fully fund the Great Commission. And that's why I can tell you, cut me open, what's really in my heart. We're not just trying to keep the lights on at our church. We're trying to build a generous generation to give Christians some vision of what's possible and the difference that we can make in our nation alone. Because if that, if then, then not just this church, but every church wouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. And this generation of Christians would quite literally have changed the entire planet. This is what we're about. The kingdom of God. And we've said it from the beginning. If we go down as a church, we're going down generous. If we go down, it's because we gave it all away. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, make sure that you excel in the grace of giving above everything else. Proverbs eleven twenty four. the lives of the generous get bigger, the lives of the stingy get smaller, and then 2 Corinthians 9, 6, I'll bring your attention here. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is a spiritual law that God has woven into the fabric of creation. Understand it and you can leverage it. Ignore it to your own peril. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. It's almost like Jesus sees money not as dollars and cents, but dollars and seeds. So this is an avocado. It's one of my favorite foods, okay? Inside is one giant seed, which makes this a fruit, okay, there we go. So think about this concept. Sometime, someday a long time ago, some dude for the first time ever had to say, guys, I know this sounds crazy, but don't eat that. Don't consume that. Dig a hole and bury it in the ground. Just trust me. Let's just see what happens because when you bury a seed, it's almost as if something in heaven whispers to that seed, wake up, get up and start growing. And when you do, that one avocado will grow into an avocado tree that produces upwards of 120,000 avocados before its time on earth is done. Now the same thing is true when it comes to money. When you take your first fruits and you give it, right? When you invest into the kingdom of God, when you take the first dollar of every $10 that you make and you plant it, it's almost like something in heaven whispers to that dollar, wake up, get up and start growing. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. So let me show you the garden that we are planting as Red Rocks Austin. Because think about this. To plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. To plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. It's an indicator that you have hope and that you have vision. Planting is evidence of your confidence in God. I could ask you, if you're not planting, are you believing? I believe the purpose that you're looking for is found when your gifts, your passions, and your resources meet and intertwine with the local church. So I thought we'd have some fun. We'd open the curtain a bit, and I'd transparently show you our church's vision of generosity so you know who we are. That's why I love if you're here for the first time. We're talking about money. I think it's a great day to be here for the first time. You get to see who we really are what this really is about and what you'll be a part of if you decide to make this place your home, what we dream about here, what we're gonna continue to do and where our money goes. So six initiatives, this is gonna be fun. Number one, Red Rocks USA. This is a church planting branch 
that we started as Red Rocks Church as a whole just a few months ago. So follow me here. The gospel is going and the church is growing right now in 172 countries and it's shrinking in 20. The United States is one of those 20 which means we have an urgent need for more church plants. Right now, we have the lowest church planting rate per capita in the history of our entire nation. Every year, 4,000 churches just like this get planted, but every year, 3,700 churches close down. If you do the math, that's a net gain of only 300 churches, and when you compare that to the fact that over a million young people are walking away from their faith every single year, the church is rapidly losing ground right now, which means we need more churches that de-churched and unchurched people love to attend. Front porches where prodigals can feel welcomed home and experience what God thinks about them both with grace and truth. So let me ask you this. When I explain all of that, do you see the problems or do you see potential we're sacrificing for? Do we back down or do we step up and put our treasure where our faith is? Because to plant a tree is to believe in the future. We believe in the local church here, not just Red Rocks Church, but the church, capital C. And because of that, because of your generosity, by the way, not only has this church already in two and a half years given quite a bit of money to local church plants, both in Austin and in San Antonio, but we also just started a network called Red Rocks USA because we wanna plant more of these in cities all over this country because Red Rocks Church, if you're new around here, Red Rocks Church started in Denver 16 years ago and then two and a half years ago, this location was planted in Austin for the very first time. So congrats to every single one of you. You've been the guinea pigs for all of this. So congratulations. Maybe the better word is congrats because you are the pioneers of something so much bigger than us, guys, which means I think this is so cool. This location, Austin, is gonna play the key role in shaping, shaping, leading, helping, and resourcing future Red Rocks church plans in cities all over the country, building front porches, yeah, to welcome home prodigals, as many people as possible to come walk through these front doors and experience what their heavenly father really thinks about them. And we've already gotten to sow thousands of dollars into this tree, into this future dream, because we believe God really is just getting started. And I, I believe that when Jesus said he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything we could ever ask or seek or imagine that he was telling the truth. Amen. Okay, let's cross the ocean really quick, and then we'll come back. India, let's talk about India. We have a big heart for this country, and I'll tell you why. Let's do some math. 7.8 billion people are on this planet right now. 2.4 billion people are Christians. Can somebody tell me how many people aren't? 5.4 billion people still don't really know what God thinks about them. Let's zoom in on India. 1.38 billion people are in India. By next year, it will be the most populous country in our world. Of that 1.38 billion people, 1.3 billion aren't Christians, which means 1.3 billion in India compared to 5.4 on our planet 25%, you guys, of the global population who don't know Jesus live in India. So naturally, we feel this passion, this draw to help pastors who are there in churches and, and organizations and ministries make heaven more crowded in India. Ethan talked about this last week with the home of hope in Mirage a town called Mirage, led by our friend, Pastor Timothy. That's a line from Rudy. You're five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. And you wanna try out for the Notre Dame football team? This is Pastor Tim, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, and a beast of a Christ follower, man. Probably more than any man that I've ever met. 
We lived with him for a month. We've walked the red light districts. We've cried with slaves. We prayed for pimps. We spent weeks with these little girls. That's Renuka. That's Monica. That's Hasina in the home of hope, that home where this organization pulls these little girls and little boys out of a future of, of trafficking and gives them a different kind of future. Last week, because of your generosity, we got to send Timothy a check for $5,000 to say, hey, we believe in you. Keep it up. Even if nobody else in your entire city believes in you, you've got a church in Austin, Texas that has your back. Keep doing what you're doing. In part, is also an organization, next slide, that trains young pastors, this is crazy to me, young church planners, so young 20s, okay? Trains them to be pastors and sends them out to plant churches and all they get is a bongo, a Bible, and a bike. That's it. And they go plant a church. And last week, we got to send a check for $6,000 to pay for 40 of those bikes, and keep in mind, each one of those bikes represents hundreds of souls coming to know Jesus in the next few years, and that's because of your generosity. Generosity, what is it if not an accelerator of vision? Our church and all the organizations that we partner with that all have vision, that have something to do with making earth more whole and heaven more crowded, generosity just accelerates that. We're doing that, you're doing that in India right now. Let's come back to our country, to our city. Local initiatives. We're gonna start saying this a lot more, but we're not here to save our city, we're here to serve our city, to make earth more whole and Austin more like heaven, to be advocates of the Imago Dei and the makers of the future. I pray that a city would look at the people of this church and wonder what is it about those people? What do they have? that I'm missing? What is it about their authenticity and their humility and that unity and that generosity? They must know something. And I pray the gospel would become more and more beautiful to the hundreds of thousands of people who are flocking to Austin, running from the very thing they're actually looking for right now. Would they see it, not just in what we say or what we post, but in what we do? Back in February, you remember that winter storm? You guys raised $10,000 for relief, and then because of Denver, we gave away three U-Hauls full of basic necessities to 1,800 people who needed it. We partner with amazing organizations like the Refuge Ranch, a restorative community for teenage girls who have been rescued and recovered from trafficking, mobile loaves and fishes, which exist to provide long-term care and community for the homeless, the Source, a women's healthcare clinic that provides access to comprehensive, whole person and life-affirming reproductive health and pregnancy care, and of course, Side-by-Side -side Kids, an organization right down the street that journeys side-by-side -side with kids, encouraging and equipping them to reach their highest God-given potential. And because of your generosity, we get to sow seeds. We're planting a garden in our own backyard that generates more and more and more impact. If we were to ever shut down as a church and close our doors, we would want our city to feel our absence. Amen? All right. You like hearing about this stuff? Because I love, I love sharing this stuff. So let's go back, let's go across the ocean again. Compassion International, one of our global partners. You probably heard of Compassion before. Um, Red Rocks Church, just so you know, already has four Compassion churches in Rwanda sponsoring over 1,200 kids. And we, as the Austin location, want to continue that in Rwanda, and hopefully one day in Rwanda's neighboring country, Burundi, all right? So you can start praying for those two countries. Me, Ryan, and E have spent significant time in both countries. We have friends in both countries. We believe God's just getting started in both countries. Both Rwanda and Burundi, if you don't know, suffered... Uh, from a genocide back in 1994 that killed over a million people in less than 100 days. When you go visit, it's almost like there's a missing generation, which means we 
need to continue to help them raise a future generation of leaders who will continue to lead in this incredible story, and it is an incredible story, of restoration of what God has been doing there for the last 25 years. Now, just so you know, COVID has delayed this process. So we were just, man, we were all in ready for this, and then COVID has delayed this dream at least until next year. But make no mistake, we are, we are partnering with this organization. But if this struck a heart, like a chord in your heart and you wanna get involved before then, uh, just first of all, hey, if you need this permission from like your pastor here, you give, give, go to Compassion, give there instead of here if you want to. $38 a month, $38 a month, you guys, and you will sponsor a kid, you will put food in that kid's belly and pay for shelter and education. Okay, this is, my gosh, this so, like, this is, I think like 29 of that 38 goes straight to that kid. And you're like, well, where's the other nine go? Like, well, somebody has to get it to that kid. Like, that's, and that's just crazy. This is, this organization is the real deal. This is me and Sam meeting our, our sponsor kid, Gene, three years ago in Rwanda. Like, I can't even, I can't even, I'll start crying if I, if I keep talking about this, but man. If you wanna give there, give there. Once again, God's got this church. We're trying to build a generous generation of leaders, and if you want your generosity to go in the direction of Compassion International, please, by all means. But no, we are doing this and continuing this story as soon as we possibly can, okay? So that's Compassion International. And then, okay, so now the last two. So lean in right here, because these are... Um, going to be applicable today. And you'll find out when Ethan comes up here to close out the service. This might shock a lot of you, but we'll talk about reaching the unreached. These stats might shock you. 3.23 billion people right now, it's 42% of the global population, are considered unreached. So what does that mean? That means there's no Bible, there's no believer, there's no body of Christ. There's no opportunity to even hear the gospel. So it's just my opinion, but that's why I really don't think Jesus is coming back today. Because Revelation 7, 9 makes it very clear that heaven will have representatives of people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language, every people group. And right now, there are still 7,422 people groups where nobody has heard the name of Jesus. It's crazy, it gets crazier. Notice the imbalance of what I'm about to say. Less than half a percentage of missions money and less than 4% of missionaries reach the 42% of the global population that is the unreached world. Why? Because it's very challenging. It takes a long time to see a little bit of fruit, and it's very dangerous. Most of this is happening in the 1040 window. So much so that I, I can't even tell you the name of the organization that we're partnering with or the name of the village that we are trying to, to help reach. Obviously, this organization's not looking for recognition. Recognition would put a bullseye on their backs. So our next Kingdom Builders Initiative, this is so cool, is a health post in an undisclosed village, in an undisclosed country, somewhere in the Himalayas, okay? So this means meeting the tangible and urgent health needs of a village, making earth more whole, but it also means making heaven more crowded because two Christian health workers will be present in a village as missionaries to a unreached people group full of 5,000 people where not a single person yet has heard the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, the Great Commission is waiting to be finished, church. And far more than an obligation, it is the greatest privilege that there is. Amen? Okay, last but not least, God behind bars. Yeah. So you can tell when somebody is in church who just got out of prison because they usually sit in the front row and they take notes, they write everything down and 
They worship when the music's not good. They shout amen when the preaching's not good. It's called hunger. And we've been asked the question a lot recently, when are you planning on opening a second campus, which to me is just a horrifying question, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but the answer, probably, hopefully, very, very soon, and it's going to be in a local prison through an organization called God Behind Bars. Yeah. And I know you're wondering, well, when and where? And I, I kind of know, but I know enough now not to say it until we are 100% positive. So more information coming soon. Ryan and I read uh, Matthew 25 this week where Jesus says, I was in prison, you came to visit me because what you did for the least of these, you also did for me. And uh, Ryan looked up the Greek and it turns out, um, visit me, when translated, uh, means visit me. And prison, this is crazy, when you translate it in the Greek means prison, okay? So we're gonna bring what we do in this room every single Sunday morning through technology and our cameras and a lot of you who don't even know it yet but you're gonna lead and serve and be part of this dream, we're gonna take what happens in this room every Sunday morning to a gymnasium full of inmates, of hundreds of inmates every single Sunday evening because we are a church of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. So let's go build a front porch in a local prison to welcome home prodigals because we believe the grace of God is for every human being. Nobody's too far gone or else what are any of us doing here in this room right now? Oh, the grace of Jesus is real. His mercies are new every single morning. Um, but rather than me tell you, I thought it'd be more fun to let my friend Sarah from one of our Colorado GBB campuses tell you. So enjoy this video. I always went to church as a kid and it was just kind of something that I just always did. The older I got, um, the more I really started to question things. Kind of turned my back on the whole thing. I had that idea that if this is what it looks like to be a Christian, I don't want to be a part of it. And I kind of went off and, and did my own thing and that's where a lot of my life just completely fell apart. It had a, a good severing between my parents and I. Um, and I jumped into the first relationship that I could get into, which was the biggest mistake of my life. Ended up walking into a situation that turned extremely abusive. Shortly after he and I had gotten together, I had, my grandfather had passed away. I had gone back to Arkansas for the funeral and like all hell broke loose within my family and because everyone found out that I was living with this guy and it was so bad that when I came back from that funeral, um, I had had a message left on my phone from my mom saying that as far as she was concerned, um, I was no longer a part of the family and she could care less if I were dead or alive. And that was the moment that I quit paying attention to anything and it progressively got worse and worse and worse um, to where it was pretty much on a daily basis. It was almost like something in him completely snapped. If I would make him mad, he would beat the crap out of me and then he would turn around and punish the kids and then he would throw it all on me like, look at what you did. If you hadn't done X, Y, and Z, this wouldn't have happened. And I confronted him on it um, and it turned extremely bad, very, very violent. He ended up going out and getting a video camera that he put up in the apartment and um, when he was gone, all three of us, myself and his son and his stepson, would have to stay in three separate places in the apartment. I tried leaving one time and he came home early and caught me and I didn't try it again. And I will regret that for the rest of my life. His stepson ended up dying at seven years old and I ended up with a 48 year sentence. Um, so my time coming into prison has been very broken. I had reached a point um, where I finally just said, you know, God, if you, if you were there, 
you would have stopped it or you would have done something or you would give me some sort of peace or you would give me guidance or you would give me something and you haven't given me anything. And I feel like everything that I was brought up in was all a lie and it didn't happen and it didn't exist. And um, a girl that I had known for a long time was one that finally, like she started bugging me like, let's go to God Behind Bars, it's this church service. And I was like, eh, no, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go, like I don't want anything to do with any of that. And she kept pushing and kept pushing and finally I was like, okay, just so that you'll shut up, I'll go. And everything goes dark and praise and worship starts and I just started bawling. And I didn't even know why I was bawling. I just had completely lost it. And it was like this moment of, I had never felt the presence of God like I did that night. And that was my moment when I knew that God came, like I didn't have to go to him, he came to me. And he basically said, like, you are my daughter and I love you and that's never gonna change. And I'm here, like, you've been calling out to me, you've been asking for me, I'm here. And it's never been the same since. I have seen so many things happen and so much restoration within my family, within friends. He's given me a strength in myself that I never would have thought that I could have. Um, he has shown me that that I am someone that's important, that I am someone who is worth it. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited for those of you who uh, don't even know it yet, but GBB will be part of your life in some way, shape, or form. If you give here, it already is. You're already sowing seeds Believing in a future, believing in tomorrow, demonstrating your faith that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, but those who sow generously will also reap the same thing. And it's just real that the worlds of the generous just seem to get bigger. The worlds of the stingy just seem to get smaller. This is not a Christian thing. This is a human thing. Every secular study on giving and generosity will tell you the exact same thing. And that's why today, I mean, I, I pray there's no emotional manipulation to this at all. If you feel that, please, please do not give here. Give somewhere else. I'm just asking you, do not RSVP no to this invitation from God to live a life of generosity because he does not need your money. He wants your heart. And that should tell you there is something to this invisible law that God has woven into creation that not only will make earth more whole and heaven more crowded and quite possibly change the world, but change your life as well as you start to feel this rush of funding the kingdom and being part of a story bigger than yourself and you, you experience the freedom of setting down this financial weight and saying, hey God, how about, how about you carry my financial weight? How about I just, I trust you with this? And I think you'll find yourself as you live like this with everything God gives you just more blessed because of it. Not that that's why we do it, but that's just, man, that just happens. It's the one area in the Bible where God says, test me in this, see what I won't do. Every dollar that you plant, heaven really does whisper to it. Hey, wake up, get up, and start growing. Have this dream, this vision of seeing a generous generation in my time on this planet. An era of Christians who, as you've seen, can quite literally change the world. Even just in the United States, this church, we got it in us to do it. If we will say yes and step up and put our faith, our treasure where our faith is. And so that's just, that's our dream. That's what we want here. Um, that's why we tell you to take money from the basket every day on your way out if you need it. That's why we put other websites up on screens because I know so many people have been hurt by the church asking for money. I also know somewhere deeper than that, the real reason, because I'm a human and I'm here too, is because we, we love money and we don't really trust God. And we say, it's the church, it's pastors, it's, it's those Christians. I wanna challenge you to walk away from this message not worrying about them, whoever they are, 
but just you. You're only accountable for you, your generosity, because God is inviting you into something so much bigger and he uses generosity as his widest, widest door. I believe, man, there will be a day where people will look back and they'll talk about once upon a time there was actually starvation and hunger in this world and somebody will say, oh yeah, the, uh, the Christians took care of that actually. Oh, once upon a time there were millions of slaves on this planet, can you believe that? Oh, they're like, well, what happened? Oh, the Christians took care of that. Once upon a time, there was 7,000 people groups who didn't have a Bible in their language, but the Christians paid for that. They translated that. Once upon a time, it cost thousands of dollars to, to, to have a little kid who needs a mom and dad be adopted into a family. Well, what happened? Oh, the Christians paid for that. The Christians, the church, had the same not on our watch kind of mentality as our heavenly father did when he gave and made the ultimate sacrifice. And our reaction, our response was generosity as well, was sacrifice as well. For the world, for the church so loved the world that it couldn't help but give and say the world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all the money in it and everything I have anyways. So God, whatever you want from me here, just take me and take my life. And I'll bet you anything, you'll find yourself more blessed, more full, filled with more purpose, part of something bigger, more alive and more awake than you ever would have keeping 10 out of 10 of every, of every amount of money that comes in because something in heaven whispers, hey, dollar, wake up, come alive. And at the same time, something in heaven whispers into your spirit, hey, spirit, come alive, wake up. Feel what it means to be the real deal, fully awake, living this out, amen? Will you guys all stand, and can we just all extend a hand as a church, you, and th so this is, this is not what, what I'm doing, so can you help? No, this is what we are doing, what you are doing. So as we continue to send, uh, to send money out and sow seeds, can we just all extend hands to pray a prayer of blessing over all the seeds we've already sowed and all the seeds we will sow? Jesus, would you take what, what little we do have and what we've given and would you just wake it up and multiply it and make it so much more than we ever could have made it on our own? Jesus, would we all each just be dared and rise to the challenge of living lives of generosity. Would you continue to raise up lights and pastors and church plants in India that the Great Commission would be more and more completed in that amazing nation full of so many amazing sons and daughters? Would you do all the prep work right now for which correctional facility? in our neighborhood you want Red Rocks Austin in and make it just so clear and begin softening the hearts and opening the ears of inmates who have no idea the tsunami of grace that's on the way. Would you continue to fund um, the Great Commission in reaching the unreached people groups, the 7,422 unreached people groups around the world who still haven't heard the good news of the gospel. Would you get us there somehow and in some way? And all these local initiatives. Jesus, would you continue to bless the amazing work of the men and women who are working tirelessly, believing in those visions? Would our generosity accelerate their visions as we make earth more whole in our own backyard? We pray over a future compassion site. We pray that you'd already be preparing the villages ahead of time for where that's going to be. Jesus, take what we have and make it so much more than we ever imagined. Our Ephesians 3.20 God, who can do all things far beyond our craziest dreams. We offer what we have to you in Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church, let's worship.